Hello, dear friends. Welcome to this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom with myself, Marissa Rada Wepner. My guest today is Leilani Navar. She is a friend from Boulder, Utah, who is an acupuncturist, an herbalist, and a leader of a dream community, a dream, a dream-loving community. And we explore that work, the dream work, in this podcast, which is um, I I find it fascinating. I'm I'm a big dreamer myself. I have lots of vivid dreams that I remember every morning when I wake up. So it was fun to do a little bit of analysis, though that might not be the right word, um, during this podcast with Leilani. And she leads a group, a dream group. You can find out more about her work with dreams on her website, thedreamersden.org, thedreamersden.org. I'll link to, to her site in the show notes. And she has a membership for her community that you can join where you get monthly online live dream collective group share experiences similar, I would guess, maybe to how it was in this podcast that we talked about. So if you're interested in that, do definitely check out her website. And if you're ever passing through Boulder, Utah, she is a wonderful acupuncturist as well. And an all around beautiful, grounded, bright, amazing, clear human who's living the life that I think most of us um, in our heart's heart and our soul's soul wish that we were very connected to the land and the cycles and seasons and um, what is really pure and sacred in this world. So I respect her and her life and livelihood so, so much. You'll get to know Leilani more in this podcast. And with me, let's see, just coming up, you guys, I've got my 300-hour yoga teacher training that I'm going to start on November 11th in just under a month, which I'm incredibly excited about. It's a two-year immersion for those who are already 200-hour yoga teacher trainers and looking to become 500-hour yoga teacher trainers. And we'll explore together topics like yoga psychology, yoga philosophy, deep into bhakti yoga, meditation, of course, tantra yoga, and my um, practice, sacred relations, yoga and social justice, as well as be in this collective for our practice. And it's over this two-year expanse so that uh, we can really have a, a, like a nice arc of time together to be witness to our own transformations and those of of our fellow cohort members instead of like you know a month-long immersion where everything might happen so quickly or just begin to unfold we'll give ourselves time together to to honor the unfolding and the depth of the unfolding so if you're interested in joining me for that I would love to have you I'm a 500 hour E-R-Y-T and a thousand hour Nosara yoga master educator and have been leading these teacher trainings for I want to say the past five years through my studio Sage Yoga and Wellness with my um, yoga teacher training partner Naomi Jones and now we're without our home Sage Yoga we're still leading the trainings and this is a new updated version for our kind of global times and the quarantine times so even if you're not here in Boise 
there's ways to do this training with me where it's all online, except for the retreat that we'll take together that I'm going to plan for some time in 2021 and one in 2022. So community, growth, accountability, and uh, yeah, deep, deep practice of self-awareness. And I'm super excited for it. Super excited. And again, thank you to all my Patreon supporters. I appreciate that the monthly contribution so much. So, 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 so much. And also to everybody who's rated this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference, bigger than you would think um, to have the ratings. And so I've got like 44 of those now. And you know what? I, I was chuckling to myself a little bit because I had a one-star rating. I've got all five-star ratings. And then somebody went in there and gave me an MF one-star rating, which is just, in my mind, quite rude. Quite rude. And uh, maybe that was an accident. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, it's comical. It's comical to me at the same time. Don't do that. Don't accidentally give a one-star rating. One means bad and five means good five means good so appreciate those from you guys and uh love love doing this podcast big shout out to east forest who helps me with my editing and uh the music of course oh and upcoming i'm putting out a meditation album it's going to be three tracks with an intro track as well so four tracks the intro will be a little bit on how to meditate um yeah, basically some nuggets on how to meditate in the process of it. And then three tracks with East Forest songs and which to do that with. It should be out in like another month or so. We're working on finishing that up right now, right now. But in this moment right now, I'm going to let you guys get to know my friend Leilani. So here you are. Blessings, 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 everyone. Enjoy. I'm here with Leilani Navar in Boulder, Utah, a friend from down here in Boulder, Utah. She's an acupuncturist, an herbalist, and a dream worker, and a mother, among many other things, I'm sure. And it's it's a great delight to be able to talk to somebody in person. It's, it's nice to see you. It's really good to sit here with you, too, in the beautiful sunshine and fresh air of Boulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long have you been in Boulder? Five years. Okay. For some reason, in my mind, I'd imagine longer. Well, we've probably done a good 10 years of work on our land in those five years. So <laughs> it looks like we've been here longer. But And your partner, Silas, he is, you have a similar path, right? Yeah, similar, yes. He does Chinese medicine manual therapy, so body work. Mm -hmm. And we met through our martial arts and Chinese medicine family, larger mm -hmm. family. Um, and we're both learning to be permaculture homesteaders together he's he had done a lot more like that before coming here than I had but he's also a woodworker and does a lot of building and creating in that way so we have some overlap and some mm -hmm. and compliments yeah. yeah yeah so what drew you both to Boulder originally well Silas actually found Boulder online when he was curious about permaculture in the desert uh -huh. And then he found, at the time, True Nature Farms was here and Red House Farm and Hell's Backbone Grill. And he was found all these references to growing organic food in the absolute middle of nowhere 
Mm-hmm. So so-called on our way from Portland to Burlington, Vermont. He said, let's go check out this little town in Utah. <laughs> yeah, it's a detour. It was definitely a detour. Um, and we came to detour here for a night or two, and we ended up staying for five days. Um, we really thought about changing our whole plan because we were moving to Vermont at the time. Uh-huh. But we carried through and lived in Vermont for two years, the whole time talking about how much better Utah was, basically, and then we came back. Good for you. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so five years ago. Yeah. And you bought your place, and you've been working on it since then. Yeah, we, so we came in the winter, actually, intentionally, because we didn't want to have the beautiful boulder spring and summer and then go through what they call the winter kill Mm -hmm. and decide we couldn't actually live here. So we moved here in December and lived in a 16-foot yurt with our kids for five months, and then we bought our place and got started. Wow, hardy. Yeah, it was, (laughs) it was definitely, like, people... People give you kind of a skeptical look when you say you're going to live in Boulder. Uh They're like, I don't know. It's pretty hard. And as I was like pickaxing my hose out of the ice just so I could wash dishes while it was warm enough for the water to run, I'm like, have I earned it yet? (laughs) 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 Can I hack it in Boulder? You two have definitely (laughs) earned it. Nobody questions Leilani and Silas. (laughs) No one questions that. And now you have your acupuncture business here Mm -hmm. and Chinese medicine and herbalist. And you're into dream work. When did the dream work begin? Dream work as, you know, with that name, dream work, probably began about nine years ago when I was still in school. And uh, one of my teachers hosted a workshop with Jeremy Taylor, the beloved uh, DreamWork author and teacher, and some people call him the Johnny Appleseed of DreamWork because he just went around leading these wonderful workshops. He developed the projective DreamWork style. Well, so for those that don't know, describe DreamWork or define it. DreamWork is really any way of engaging with your sleeping dreams to uncover what they have to offer. And I do that a lot through the lens of what they have to offer us for our healing but also creativity and growth and insights and, you know, sometimes what we might think of as more um, subtle information that we don't pick up with our conscious minds Mm -hmm. coming from other people and everything else that's alive on this planet with us. Mm -hmm. So all of this is coming to us all through our dreams. And dream work is the ways that we ask questions and feel into our dreams, sometimes one-on-one with somebody, sometimes in a group, sometimes just with our own journals or our own embodied practices. Mm -hmm. So projective dream work is one style of doing that, and it's usually done in a group. And foundational to it is owning the fact that when you tell me your dream, all I can possibly do is have my own imagined version of your dream. Right. That pretty much guaranteed is not what you experienced. And then I can only project my own perspective based on my experiences in life, my own body's state of being. I can only project on your dream. So when I talk about your dream, I do that as though it were mine. I'll say, well, if that were my dream, I would be wondering if there's something going on in my relationship with my daughter that has this flavor of what it's like to drive on that curvy road. Mm-hmm. And then you, if that's true for you, it will strike a chord and you'll have some kind of, oh, right. yes. And if it's not, it won't. And that's okay because I owned it as my projection. Yep. 
Yep. And they can vary so much. You know, you probably don't go buy the dream books, right? No. I mean, sometimes they have something insightful, like Mm -hmm. their own projection that you go, oh, aha, that's it. But any attempt to say this dream means that. In a definitive way. In a definitive way. Can't, it can't be definitive. Our dreams are so personal mm-hmm. and so multi-layered. And if I dream of a cat and you dream of a cat, oh my gosh, those could be opposite mm-hmm. meanings, you know, mm-hmm. so. Well, I am a Pisces sun and a Pisces moon and I love sleeping and I love dreaming mm-hmm. and I love waking up and I love being in bed when I wake up and being in my dream space still for as long as I possibly can and just like in the memory and in the sensation and feeling state it's like an addiction I do it every single day where like my counter my like I don't know mature self is like you need to get out of bed earlier and do the whatever thing and my true self is like but I love lingering Mm -hmm. in the dream space as long as possible yeah every single morning that's awesome do you Mm. dream do you remember dreams every morning Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and throughout the night too i'll wake up with really clear dreams i did dream analysis work when i was getting my undergrad psychology degree Mm -hmm. and i kind of was with like a Jungian psych um a Jungian and dream analysis group that i did for a while and i turned away from it because at the time it felt like all of the dream analysis that i was doing was dark Mm. and i'm like i don't uh, I, I don't know. It was like all, all dream analysis goes into like shadow. Mm. And I was, I wasn't into that at the time. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I can't handle all the shadow work right uh-huh. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think all dreams do go into the shadow, but they also all go into the light. They yes. all go into directions we're not looking and they go into our impulse to be creative and to be vibrant and mm. joyful just as much as to, help us see the darkness so yeah I probably would get over it quickly too if every (laughs) dream work session was was heavy and dark yeah I mean I value those experiences totally when they're they're, um give a release yeah and that was a very 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 long time ago but Mm -hmm. still my attachment and and love of dreams is so rich and then there's this interesting dichotomy that it sounds like you do in the projected dream groups where listening to another person's dream can land or not land it's almost like for the wrong listener they're not listening do you know what I mean yeah well it's really something to watch because everybody if they're really engaged will take on the dream as though it's their own and can get something out of it Mm -hmm. which makes it an incredible exercise in empathy and compassion too and that was that was one thing Jeremy Taylor was passionate about was dream work as a part of social justice because we dream of characters who in waking life we consider other, you know, maybe um, scary to us or mm, not allowed in our lives in some way. And then through the process of dream work, we can imagine what it's like to be in their shoes. Mm. So, yeah, I would say... Certain dreams will land with someone with a listener really strongly and other times it's not so strong. But just like a movie or a story or, you know, those powerful stories that move yeah. almost everybody in the culture. The archetypes. Yeah, if you get into it. Yeah, there's something there, I feel like, for usually for everyone in the group. 
Mm-hmm. So when you say that you're a dream worker, do then people automatically tell you their dreams? Some do. <laughs> <laughs> the people who love their dreams, uh-huh. you know, are excited to do it. And other people, like in the clinic, you know, it's not, I don't listen to a dream from every patient who comes in for acupuncture. But if someone wants to share one or if I feel prompted in some way to ask, have you had any dreams lately? Mm-hmm. Then they do. And then I facilitate dream groups, which, you know, that's the whole idea is people come ready to share a dream. And locally, so. Matt does that too, right? Yeah. Matt Cochran. Yeah. So, and that winter that we got here, um, that was one of the most special things to me about landing here was getting to join in a dream group with him. I feel really lucky to have been able to sink in with a group that had already been working dreams together for a few years. And now I've been working dreams with them for four years and such a beautiful thing about the Boulder winter, like the agriculture slows down and the tourism slows down and people do things that they don't do in the busy season, like sit down for two hours a week and talk about their dreams. And it's just right to the soul level, you know, with people who think your dreams matter. Mm -hmm. It's really fun. Mm -hmm. Can you describe uh, or share an experience of a dream that then translated to something powerful in your waking life? Yeah. um, I was just thinking, as I told you the story of moving here, that there were two dreams when we got to Vermont. Both involved something being stabbed through the heart. And one was a horse on a beach that had been stabbed in the heart. And I'd actually have to go back and look at the details of these dreams. Usually I like to share a dream more in present tense with detail. But what I can see now is I'm on a beach and I see this horse lying there at the shoreline and it's been stabbed through the heart. And those two dreams to me, as I sank into them, both said, you went to Boulder, your heart finally spoke and you heard and you understood and you still drove away. And they both anchored me over those next two years of figuring out how to come back Mm -hmm. and, and make a life here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had many dreams that have led me to recognize what's going on health-wise, too, and make choices about what sort of treatment to do or, you know, how to... For yourself or for a client? I'm thinking for myself. Mm-hmm. Lots for clients. They, With Chinese medicine, it's pretty easy to translate dream work into information about diagnosis and treatment Mm -hmm. because the whole goal in Chinese medicine when you're diagnosing is to say what's moving what's blocked what's there a lot of what's there not enough of Mm -hmm. what is overpowering something else and dreams can so eloquently give a picture of that so give us an example of that okay so the image of a little pool that's cut off from a ditch. So here we have irrigation ditches, right? So Mm -hmm. there's an irrigation ditch and a dry little stream bed leading from the irrigation ditch to this pool that normally would get fed but is drying up. I mean, if there's any acupuncturist listening, it's like such a perfect image of a channel blockage and a point that is underfed and therefore all the functions in the body that are fed by that point are not getting what they need. So if I can do acupuncture in a way to restore flow through that 
<clears throat> little stream bed. Mm -hmm. So in that particular dream, the, what I knew about the person's health situation led me to think, okay, this is probably referring to the kidney or the bladder channel. So, you know, bringing waking information in with mm -hmm. the dream imagery. But in terms of that question, is something blocked? Is something deficient? Is something excess? This was clear imagery of blockage leading to deficiency. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I feel so strongly that, you know, in any area of our life, when we want to have a connection to something, it's on us to establish that connection and then we're feeding it and then mm. it gives back to us so fully. Mm -hmm. So even just in the act of recognizing my dreams are significant yeah, and I can have a relationship with them and I'm going to begin to cultivate that, then it's this huge resource for you. Huge resource, yeah. For your waking life. Mm -hmm. But you have to turn towards it and honor it. And as soon as you do it will move closer to you. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you've heard and probably said, and I have too, in lots of contexts, the first thing you have to do is set the intention, right? For anything to change in our lives. And that is true. But with dreams, it's like, that is the solution. To set you know, the intention. To say, I care about my dreams. I want to remember my dreams. I want to have a dream that gives me insight on this really difficult relationship in my life right now and uh, the dreams will answer and the me the memory function will answer I mean so many people have said to me I listened to your podcast and then I remembered a dream for the first time in a year mm. and it's just because some part of them decided that they cared right it said there was an invitation an opening mm -hmm. and then there was the response so you have your own podcast the dreamers den yeah yeah, yeah. did you you started that maybe about a year ago no earlier just this march oh this actually march. the first round of interviews that i recorded was the last day that anything was open it was like right as covid started shutting things down <laughs> i produced that and put it out in the world well i haven't listened yet listened yet but i looked through your list of um guests and titles and i was really intrigued yeah it's been awesome i've gotten to have conversations with seasoned dream workers that's what it you appeared know, like people with years and years and thousands of dreams and it's very cool so do you write the dreams down or do you voice record them or both for my own dreams? Yeah. I Right now I'm in a phase of writing them down, but I went through years of only voice recording because while the kids were very little and there was no such thing as asking them to leave me alone on waking. I mean, I could ask, but there was no yeah. such thing as actually getting to... It was too slow and too, too hard, you know? So I would get up and be holding a toddler and voice recording my dream. Mm -hmm. you know and, and right then, now I'm writing them down and then how do you work with that do you go back or do you are you as you write it you're getting insights or both both yeah I feel like I don't dive in deep with most dreams because like you I remember at least one and sometimes three dreams every night mm -hmm. so sometimes all I do is write them down and take note of them and then it'll only be later if I happen to be flipping back through, which only works when they're written, um, that I realize, oh, I dreamt of a low stone wall so many times last month. And I wouldn't have noticed that unless I'd gone back. So what's up with the low stone wall? And that'll make me think back into it. And sometimes I just carry the dream with me through the day, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of observe for 
a similar feeling to arise. But if I, when I have a big dream or one that the opposite that I feel like, uh, that dream doesn't matter. I don't want to think about that one. You know, if I have one of those reactions, then I usually share it with somebody and go deeper. Yeah. You're yeah. reminding me of the semi lucid dream I had a couple of weeks ago. You ready for me to share? Oh yeah. It's just a little snippet where I was on a beach at night and I flew up over the ocean and I was flying in the air and I thought to myself, aliens, mm. I'm going to get to meet aliens finally. And I looked down and in the ocean under the water, I could see a spaceship and like the lights of a spaceship deep down in the ocean. Mm. And it was like, there it is. And then my second thought was, oh no, I'm not ready. Oh wow. <laughs> and then the dream changed mm. and the dream changed. But it was exciting and exhilarating for a second. Mm -hmm. And then I got overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. Was out of there. Do you want to explore that dream a little sure. bit? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So tell me, it's funny, we often will use this phrase, imagine I were an alien and I'd never heard of whatever it is in the dream to invite the dreamer to describe it. So it's funny that this is actually about aliens, but imagine I've never heard that word. Tell me what is an alien? An alien is a being from another planet that I have never heard of or seen or experienced before. And do you have any feeling toward aliens? It would be curiosity, mostly. Mm -hmm. Positive, not negative. There's not fear. But mm -hmm. then in the moment there was fear because mm -hmm. it was too like, again, that thought like, I'm not ready for mm -hmm. to go on the spaceship. But curiosity is the main one. Mm -hmm. And because it, it, it's in this land of like, for me, unknowing. It's like, is that true or not true? It's one of those things that you can't quite. It's like God in a way or other mythical, mystical ideas or creatures. Mm. Does it exist or not? Is mm -hmm. it real or not? And how do you feel about being in that unknowing? Being in the question, does it exist or not? I like the question and I feel like that's all that life kind of is, is, mm -hmm. is constantly being in that question. So then there was this desire and the dream of like finally knowing, mm -hmm. right? And that was exciting. So I accept that being in the question is what is really. And then knowing is like a, a very small proportion of what is Mm -hmm. our experience mm -hmm. and how about how about the ocean and things down deep in the water well the ocean I love and I'm deeply afraid of the deep ocean mm -hmm. that's scary for me because I, I mean I grew up on the ocean and the ocean's like my favorite place but it's more like shore based mm -hmm. you know and then we would get out to sea and swimming in the deep ocean or even when I get into a lake or a body of water or cenote or whatever that you can't touch the bottom, mm -hmm. that the depth and the power of that is sometimes overpowering mm -hmm. or I have to even get out. Like I can't stand the force of unknown power mm. that's with me right now. Mm -hmm. It was interesting to see it under the water versus in the sky because mm -hmm. I went into the sky and I thought, oh, I'll see it in the sky. And I looked down, it was under the ocean. Yeah, that is really interesting. So what's coming up for me, if this were my dream, is that 
there's this, there's a way in which I cherish and even savor. It's even delicious to have this question of, are they out there or not? I wonder, is it real or is it not real? And having the question, the question has inside it the desire for the answer, but it also is, I don't want to give it up. So when I think that maybe I'm about to have to give up the question, which I associate with a lot of um, sort of goal achievement in life. It's like, well, now that I'm here, now what? Mm. And so there's this um, reluctance to close that door once it's, once it's in front of me. And the other thing that's coming up is the Chinese medicine imagery of the ocean. The ocean we associate with the element water, of course, and the emotion of fear. But the flip side is awe. And I feel like I'm hearing that as you describe the deep water, mm-hmm. the power of it, um, but also the terror of it. Totally. And that's, that's what we hold in our water networks, in our kidney and bladder organs. And yeah, the awe and terror, that's a great um, pairing and synchronicity. Like my, one of my favorite texts, the Radiant Sutras, it's, the, I'm not going to get the translation correct right now, but it's something like the awe and terror of oneness. Mm. Yeah. Like in the state of oneness, mm-hmm. it's both at the same time. Right. Because that oneness is also like a kind of a death of the individual mm-hmm. self, which is awesome and terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So these aliens, which are from somewhere else, and I don't know anything about them. They're deep down in there. They're like in the deepest place. And so at home, I mean, this is the earth. This is deep in, in my home, my planet. Mm. So that unknown is there, you know, in my own kind of territory, the ocean, this place that I love. And in a way, I'm at the greatest distance I can be because I'm flying. So there's something happening there for me. Like I, I see this apart and together and apart and together energy mm-hmm. in my version of your dream. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the I'm not ready was I'm not ready to merge. Mm. To get in the spaceship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not ready to become a part of that yet. Oh, never mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious. I'm keeping my separation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Is that a familiar feeling in any way in, in waking life? <sighs> That's a good question. I would tend to say probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And true merging, that's difficult mm-hmm. to find, even the opportunity for that. Yeah. It mostly happens for me on psychedelics or in meditation. Mm-hmm. Moments like that. I totally recognize that feeling of like, oh, yeah, I want to go there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not sure I want to go there, mm-hmm. you know, like a, in a powerful psychedelic experience. It's like the awe and the terror. Yeah. 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 And even me like casting the, oh, we're going to see aliens. Mm-hmm. And the dream felt like a playful wish. Mm-hmm. Like I was I was it was almost like I'm just kidding. Like that's not actually ever really going to happen. Uh huh. You know? like a joke. It was kind of like trickster energy that I have. Mm -hmm. And then for it to be true, that was like, oops. Mm. (laughs) Oh yeah. So if that, if that were coming up for me, I'd, I would just like flag that 
and watch for it in my life and everything that I'm um, imagining or looking for or manifesting or creating like where am I saying oh yeah I'm gonna do this really cool thing just kidding oh wait what if it really happened right right what if I wasn't just kidding or even if I was just kidding somebody listened and it happened mm-hmm. yeah what if mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then too you know it reminds you of the power of all of that and the power of intention like you had said earlier mm-hmm. right a reminder of that right and how our intentions might manifest but not in the way we expect because it feels like aliens in the sky but actually, by turning my attention to aliens, I see them deep in the ocean. What a surprise. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. That it often doesn't come in the form that you were projecting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, if, if that were my dream and I wanted to go on with it, I might just hang out with it somehow, too. Like, draw the spaceship under the ocean or close my eyes and go back into that dream space and play with like dipping my toe in the water, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, just feel into that mm-hmm. flying away, coming in or whatever, whatever you feel inspired, whatever has some like life to it for you. But yeah. So yeah. you would go back into a dream and re engage with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't do that often, but certain dreams I feel like, like I want to see what happens next or I want to try on some different endings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can really give the aha moment. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're engaging with it too in a conscious way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it might not be so helpful to go into a dream and like, rewrite the ending to look more acceptable by waking life morality let's Uh say you know like violence in a dream is not necessarily what we'd think of violence in waking life and we don't need to go clean them up necessarily but to go in more in within the with a dreaming perspective still you Mm -hmm. know and explore the symbolic world of the dream right right for what arises Mm -hmm. yeah cool yeah thanks for sharing your dream you're welcome you're welcome yeah i'd forgotten about it till you started talking and then i remembered that's how it happens like you said isn't that cool (laughs) it makes it makes me wonder how many how many almost forgotten dreams are just hovering there waiting to be totally totally probably lots yeah the other night too when i first got here to boulder i dreamed of i was with um joe biden in an underground parking garage we were having a long conversation and I, you know, didn't want him as a candidate. Mm. It's not who I had thought that mm-hmm. I was going to vote for or even close. And then when he became the candidate, I was like, man, for all the lots of reasons. Yeah. And then in the dream, I finally saw him as clearly. Mm-hmm. It was like a like like, oh, you're not you're going to be good. It's going to be great. Mm. I, you're coherent not cognizant and empathetic and grounded and I can feel that nice it was like a like a clearing affirmation Mm. of a connection I told that dream to Krishna and he's like oh yeah Biden does all his work on the astral realm now (laughs) (laughs) well and I was just thinking how cool that it's in an underground parking garage too because it's like what's under the surface Mm. and 
I feel like we, it's very hard to see the real person in a public figure. Yes. And I want to know what's under the surface. Right. And that's what that felt like. It felt like a meeting underground. Yeah. Under the surface of like true person. Cool. Yeah. So that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love when that kind of clarity comes in a dream. Like, okay, now I get it. Yes. I can sink in and feel like that's true. Mm-hmm. That's what I actually perceive mm-hmm. of this person or this situation. Dreams give a lot of warnings about people too. They do. Like I, you want to make it okay to be around this person, but the dream will, a dream will keep saying, no, something's off here. Something impor- is importantly off, you know, and then letting that be heard and realizing, yeah, that's true. That's what I feel around, around this person, you know? Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so you're are you teaching about dreams or offering courses I know you have your podcast yeah I've been doing so since quarantine began I've been doing all zoom things and done a few live workshops and next month I'm going to do a course as well that's going to be more long term four or six weeks Especially for healers, however you want to define that word, anyone who can identify in that way, people on a healing journey and people really called to think about global healing right now. And we'll look at dreams, dream work in general, especially dreams through Chinese medicine, science of symbols, and how they can help us heal and help us help the people that we work with and find our place in this moment where there's so much that needs healing in our collective community world. And I, I feel and I witness a lot of overwhelm around that. Like, whoa, there's so much that needs to be addressed right now. Do I try to do all of it? None of it? This piece of it? Yeah. This yeah. one because someone asked me to. This one because it scares me the most. And I, I really believe that we all have a role to play and we all have certain strengths and certain gifts. And if we can feel clear about those and inspired and kind of rooted in that Mm -hmm. and we do our thing, Mm -hmm. we will all benefit one another. Mm -hmm. Like for you, a way that you're contributing is through the dream work that you're doing and holding the space for other healers to come in to find exactly what you're describing. Yeah. 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 It's very, um, it's a, I, the word that's coming to mind is soothing. It's like soothing to me, I, I guess, to my concern about the world. When I see people go through a workshop that I'm doing or just share a dream in a Facebook group or anything and then f- see them feel more clear about what they need to do next mm-hmm. or feel better or I'm like, okay, it's going to be okay. People are getting in touch with what's true and what they can offer best to the world. And I mean, I don't mean it's going to be okay in a, yeah in that way that, you know, in a shallow right. way, but like think some things are happening as they should. <laughs> yes, know? they are. They are. They yeah. are. I was leading a conversation yesterday on meditation and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to me that one of the very first questions someone asked was about sleep. 
And I, and I gave recommendations for sleep, but I also had to say, I'm not a sleep expert, Mm -hmm. but anyway, in any way, but this is what I do and this is what I know. And this is what works for me. And here are some suggestions. Yeah. And then so, but there was like a hundred people on the call. So many other people were like, I'm having trouble sleeping too. Mm -hmm. What do you say about that now? Or do you have recommendations for it? I know you're not also a sleep expert, but. Yeah. But insomnia is something that responds really well to acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine. So. I do see it a lot and not always as the thing someone comes in for, uh-huh. you know, but it'll be a side note like you were hearing. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm having trouble sleeping. So I think when I see someone one on one, I want to try to figure out why they're having trouble sleeping. And like everything in Chinese medicine, it's what I was describing. Are things stuck? Are things deficient? So there can be a, a stress induced trouble sleeping kind of that Mm -hmm. wired tension and then there can be a lack of what we call blood and yin like the really substantial cool moist calming aspects of our body so it depends a little bit on the person I do think all the sleep hygiene kind of recommendations help and I think it's hard to do them for real it's easy to know that we should turn off our screens an hour before bed and stop taking in a bunch of outside input and calm down and definitely not look at the news. But I feel like that's hard to actually do. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of people who are having trouble sleeping, giving themselves an hour to calm down, including like a warm Epsom salt foot bath and some massage on kidney one on the bottom of the foot is actually enough. They don't have a big problem that they need acupuncture and herbs for. Most were in the call yesterday relating it to racing thoughts anxious minds okay yeah so the racing thoughts tends to be in a heart fire excess in chinese medicine terms which we're at least in the western united states in a heart fire excess moment on the planet but also with the all the things that are happening in the world that we feel like we don't have control over and are scaring us is stoking that heart fire so for that Actually, what I just said would be one of my first kind of safe self-care things. Put your feet in some warm water because it will actually draw your energy down and it will give you the water energy, which is what balances out excess fire. Okay. And then the point kidney one, if you want, I can share with your listeners a link where I explain how to do acupressure and find kidney one. Yeah, great. Because it's a calming point and it invokes that water quality. So Perfect. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. The other thing, you know, that came to mind as you were just speaking is on the other end of the spectrum when you wake up Mm -hmm. and now the tendency is to grab our phones as almost like the very first thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's the people who get paid millions of dollars to make us want our phones are doing a really good job. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they are. They're doing such a good job. It's like it takes an act of will, you know, to not to not go for it yeah I'm guilty of it yeah a hundred percent and I and I it's like I watch myself yeah it's like a kid reaching into the candy jar mm-hmm. no I have to I have to turn my phone off when I come home from work to drop in and pay attention to my kids because even if I say and I know and it's true I want to stop looking at my phone and pay attention to the kids now I, I'll go and check it 
Yeah. Uh, like there'll be a quiet moment and I'll be like, oh, I wonder if anything really important just happened on my phone. And of course it didn't. <laughs> but if I turn it off then uh-huh. I, and I go and I go to it, I'm like, okay, I remember I turned this off for a reason. I'm not going to actually betray myself by turning it back on. That's a great recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. To just turn it off. Yeah. Turn it off. Put that one hurdle. Yep. Between the urge and the actual. Take it out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turn it off. But yeah, in the mornings... That's a that's a recommendation I often give for people who want to remember their dreams and have more of a relationship with their dreams is to wake up slowly and not reach for external input and outside stimulus. Wake up slowly. Notice what it feels like to wake up. It sounds like what you like to do, what yeah. you savor, mm-hmm. because that is the space where our dreams are still lingering. I love it. I love it. It's just it's like the best part of my day every single day. Yeah. Is waking up. So good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I can stay and linger in that space and it's interesting I you know my whole life I've had this program about not doing that mm-hmm. and I still have it. Yeah. So what happened for you when your kids were really little and they wanted you first thing in the morning? Did you have to give that time up? They would come into bed with me. Yeah. And, and we'd linger. stay in bed. T- we'd stay in bed together nice. for as long as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I still do that now. Yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Because on the weekends, we do a lot of morning snuggling too. And usually they will come in and tell me their dreams. Oh. And sometimes I'm like, ah, I want to write mine down before I hear yours. But it's so <laughs> special and fun to listen to their dreams. I, I always listen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kid dreams are so sweet. Benji for the longest time told me that he didn't sleep and he didn't have dreams. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, I don't think that's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's one of those sleepers. It's like you're out and the next second you're waking up. Yeah. Perhaps. Did any time pass? Perhaps. Yeah. Because I've always asked him that. What did you dream about last night? And Mm -hmm. he always gives me the same answer. I didn't have any dreams. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, he probably did research would suggest yes. that he had five or six of them but yeah yep. doesn't remember any. i don't know if it's a way that he's being protective of himself mm. you know because kids can be that too like i'm not going to share that with you mm-hmm. so yeah one day and he might not remember i i can share this link with you too if you want but i did a, a podcast episode about how some people tend to remember more dreams than others and i used to think that that had to do with how much they cared about their dreams or how tuned in they were to that channel or something. But a workshop I went to with Jeffrey Yuan, who's a Taoist priest and classical Chinese medicine practitioner talking about how our different natures, our different constitutions prepare us differently to anchor a dream in our memory, like Mm -hmm. the film in your camera Mm -hmm. and that that's totally natural and totally fine. Yeah. And different body to body. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm just remembering now too. I, I was visiting my family in Montana a couple of weeks ago and I brought my daughter Maya and Benji too, but Maya, she was turning 17 and my brother was born on the same day, my mm-hmm. brother Morgan. And so they're very, very close cool. and love each other to death. And they were sleeping near each other and they woke up the next morning and they shared the same dream. <gasps> wow. Yeah. They told me about that in the morning. Wow. Slightly different versions of the Mm -hmm. same thing happening. How cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those moments are so rare, but I totally believe that they are real (laughs) where people will um, overlap spontaneously in their dreams. Yeah. Very cool. Uh Uh-huh. Did they, um, 
well, I don't know if you want to share how they took it, but did they make anything of that? Well, they told me mm-hmm. and Maya thought it was really cool. And Morgan, you know, he's a teenage boy. So he's a little bit more aloof with uh-huh. it. But you, they both told me like their version of the dream yeah. of them being together. And it was interesting too, because it was in the room where they were as mm. well. Oh, okay. So it was almost, you know, those rare dreams also when you dream of the space yes. that you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed hearing dreams locally here that sometimes, you know, I mean, everybody knows everybody here, right? So it's kind of like when you dream of a famous actor or book character and you share that in public, everyone has their own idea of that person. Uh But that's how it is with everyone in our waking lives here. Yes. So I'll say I dreamt of so-and-so and immediately it's hard in a way because people, all their perceptions and projections on that person come into play so we have to talk about well who's that person to you right um but I've heard people dream of the same person in town like several people will dream of that person not because they're super important in their own life but it makes me think something powerful maybe is going on with them that person that person and their energy is just a little bit more amplified right now and as our dreaming minds are sort of plucking the perfect symbol out of the wherever they pluck them from that person's like just a little louder and we all hmm. plucked them down. I don't know. This is kind of a place I'm wandering in my imagination, but mm-hmm. maybe there was something really powerful about the room they were staying in together Yeah, that anchored into their, their dream worlds. Yeah. I'll have to ask them more about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Using the phrase, well, what did that mean to you? Mm-hmm that you are opening the window. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. So your course that's coming up, how can people find it? If you want to come to thedreamersden.org, and actually if you go right to thedreamersden.org slash open, then you can get my free materials about opening your relationship with your dreams and or deepening it if you already have Mm -hmm. a relationship with your dreams and the five elements in dreams. And then I will keep everybody posted as I develop the course. Okay. It's still in development right now, but late October. Is when it's going to launch. Gonna, yeah. Great. Yeah. I hope to get this out before then. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you're listening to this after October 2020, okay. you can still come to thedreamersden.org slash open. Yeah. And find good stuff. Good. That's great. That's great. I'm super curious about it. I can't wait to look at your free resources and the things that you offer. Oh, great. Yeah. I, it, you know, I feel like I love my dreams and dream space so much, but it's not a garden that it's, I've tended mm-hmm. very strongly in the past few years, even though I have super significant, I feel dreams all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but it stays more in the like cerebral space mm-hmm. internally. Yeah. Yeah. And they're still doing something for you, you know, even when we don't remember them, even when we just hang out with them or just write them down, you know, every step deeper opens that, opens that window, you know, open, opens the door more to them. But I don't feel like anybody has to engage with their dreams in any certain way in order to make that relationship valuable. You know, you, there's just, many many paths in and right I know a lot of people who turn to their dreams mostly for creative inspiration and it's not this like deep inner work mm-hmm. I mean it is but it's not consciously a process of deep inner work 
it's more a spark of creativity because our dreams are such a creative impulse. Yes. Every night weaving stories and oh images gosh, together. I love it. So creative, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Do you lucid dream? Is that part of your process? No, I've had very few lucid dreams. Okay. And I'm not opposed to that as a practice in any way, but I've never been called to do it. Mm-hmm. I kind of love going to sleep at night and feeling like I'm going to get a surprise present and yes. like find out in the morning what weird, interesting thing was woven for me. Mm-hmm. And I make a lot of things happen all day. And I kind of yeah. like being passive when I go to sleep. Yeah, that makes total <laughs> sense. Yeah. Whereas if you were having the goal of lucid dreaming, it'd be like a project work that I accomplish it or not. Yeah. Did it work or not? Yeah. Success or failure. Totally. And I, I would, um, yeah, I would take it on like a project and I don't want to do that. That's yeah. I, something I cherish about my dreams is that I receive from mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. I, see a lot of people who love lucid dreaming and love teaching it and doing it and I see that they get a lot out of it so their relationship with it must not be like that but I but for me it just doesn't feel when it's occurred for me it's just been spontaneously like that uh, the dream about the UFOs like I remember very clearly making the decision that that was going to happen Mm -hmm. you know yep yep I've had moments like that probably more where some part of my awareness knows it's a dream. And if I just like, I had a dream where something awful was about to happen. And in, within the dream, I think I need my brother. I, I need him to come right now. And then he pops up next to me. Like that's kind of a lucid dream. But in the dream, I'm not thinking since this is a dream, I'm going to bring Jay to my side, right. you know, but the dreaming mind can manifest things like that. So yeah. I have those kinds of moments, but actual dreams where I think, hey, this is a dream. Now I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, fly and meet aliens doesn't happen very much. Yeah. yeah. I had this incredible, this is like a month or so ago, super, I probably would say the most psychedelic dream I've ever had in my entire life where I was just kind of in like another dimension flying through the cosmos, lots of colors and fractal images. And it was beautiful and exquisite. Mm. And I happened to say out loud while I was dreaming, oh, wow. Mm. And I was laying next to Krishna and me saying that woke him up. And he said, why did you say that? And I was like, it's uh, like I couldn't quite respond because I was still in my dream. And Mm -hmm. then the next day he said that when I'd said that in his dream, he was being a little bit of a jerk. And he heard me say, oh, wow, like, like kind of like a scolding way, like, oh, wow, oh. <laughs> that's what you're doing right now. And he oh. felt embarrassed, like he was caught in his oh. dream. <laughs> oh, how funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's great. Yeah. Just the way it plugged in to, to him. Different mm-hmm. contexts. And yeah. I was like, ah, no, I was just in like <laughs> cosmic beyond beyond land. Yeah. I've never had a dream like that before. Wow. Or and I hardly ever speak out loud when I'm dreaming, too. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's so cool. But it was more than I, it was just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And that dream almost just is its own gift. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The experience. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, when you go to sleep and you don't know what it's going to be yeah. every night, it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you get those. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, I love it. I love talking about dreams with you. Oh, I love talking about dreams with you. (laughs) (laughs) 
And yeah. I'm excited for your offerings that you have coming up. And I'm sure the listeners are going to tune into them. Yeah. Anything great. else that you want them to know? Um, well, I will say that one of the other offerings I have, and it's an offering out in the world in many places too, is just dream groups. And I would really encourage anybody who's feeling curious now about their dreams to think about getting together with other people and sharing them. People who, you know, want to be on the same page with you about respectfully, openly, very curiously listening mm -hmm. and seeing what happens, you know. And they so. can join a group with you? Yeah. So I have a, a membership community of people who can get together once a month. And we have a large group call. We also share dreams online and writing. And then I do one-on-one -on -one and small group work online too and that that's so at the dreamers org. Yeah, you can find everything there. okay cool cool yeah. great great yeah there's nothing like getting together with other people who want to talk about your dreams with you you know it's really well you'll see <laughs> yes it's very special yeah. yeah yeah well thank you you're so welcome thank you i'll link to all of that okay. and such a treat to share this time with you likewise thank you so much yeah you're welcome <laughs>